The Daily Nexus is a major student-run institution of UC Santa Barbara, with fresh newspapers hitting the stalls of Santa Barbara every week. With sections that include news, opinion, and existentialism, overseeing its production is no easy feat, and every year a new editor-in-chief is chosen to do so. Sure. Uh, my name is Afika Iyer. I was the 2022-23 editor-in-chief of the Daily Nexus. For the 2022 to 2023 school year, Atmika Ayer stepped into the role. For a brief amount of time, when I worked for the Nexus, I worked under her as a reporter. But this time around, I got to speak with her about her time in the position, what she feels the paper accomplished, and about what comes next. Here's that conversation.、Um, as far as what I did,、um, the role of editor in chief is to basically. A manage the several sections、um, that exist at the Nexus.、Um, that includes all of the ones that do different styles of writing, whether that's news or opinion or sports or satire、um, or arts and entertainment or food.、Um, it also includes managing non-writing sections such as video and photo and art and social media um, and um, It it requires working together with all of these teams to sort of have a vision in mind of how you want to accelerate or how you want to elevate the quality of the work that you're doing together as a paper through several different venues. And so, my biggest goal that I that I feel as though I accomplished、um, was sort of. Working with all of these sections and asking, what do you want to accomplish in the next year? What do I hope to see from us as a paper in the next year, and how can we all work together to sort of get there?、Um, and so, on a week-to-week basis, that looks like managing prints and deadlines, and helping with layout, and making sure that things are getting sent into the paper, and that we're on top of big breaking news stories, and that if people need help with sources, if people need help. Figuring out how to do an interview, if people need help hiring, any of that kind of stuff, it's、uh, it's kind of like a one stop shop. I don't know how else to describe the job. If you need anything journalistically, you come and you see the editor in chief, and either the EAC figures it out or they don't.、Um, I'd like to think I did my best to figure it out whenever I could. Yeah, that's a lot of responsibilities. Was it ever stressful? <laughs> It was definitely. It, it has to be the most stressful job I've ever had,、um, and I, my friends joke and they tell me, you know, you have to be one of the people we know who are addicted to stress, which is probably true.、Um, I don't mind high stress jobs. I don't mind high pressure jobs.、Um, I think if you're a journalist, generally you, you are the type of person who likes high pressure and high stress because something about that deadline just really gets you going.、Um, But yeah, it was it was definitely very stressful at different points. I think that、um, newspapers all around the world are contending with an issue of how do we evolve as an industry to to meet the demands of the twenty first century in so many different ways. And on a microcosmic level, that was definitely something that we were contending with this past year. Um, as a result of a variety of different issues, sometimes it was, you know, lacking funding to do something we wanted to do. Sometimes it was,、um, which you know, as we know, is a lack of funding is becoming more and more prominent in the journalism world.、Um, 
And, you know, there were just issues of how to how to evolve to sort of, yeah, do the best converged journalism, how to how to just do better and be better and conduct ourselves with the highest level of integrity and ethicality possible. Uh, and there were several situations in which, you know, I had to have conversations with either a specific section um, or as, as a newspaper as a whole. And we sort of had to ask ourselves, are we working in the best interest of the community we're serving? Um, I think from a journalist perspective, that's the most stressful position you can be in. Um, and I think that it was something that I got to learn alongside my team throughout this whole year. And that um, even though it was stressful, I think that it's a very useful skill set for anyone in journalism to have, especially anyone in journalism who doesn't want it to continue with the same pitfalls and mistakes that it's been conducted with thus far. So even though it was very high pressure, I would say that it's a very big learning lesson in working together with a team and figuring out what you want to grow to be and how you get there together. I asked if there were any lessons Atmika learned on the job. She talked about how she learned to separate herself from her work. I've always been a bit of a, a workaholic myself. And so that I think that was a lesson I needed to learn the hard way, which is, you know, not everyone's going to be happy with your reporting all the time and people are going to have some things to say, but they're not attacking Othmica. They're, they're having some issues with, with the Nexus and those two things are they're very different. Another lesson she learned was that reporters are human beings and are therefore fallible and in need of breaks like everyone else. And, um, so, A, the biggest lesson I learned was, like, as we're reporting on difficult things is we all deserve grace, you know, just because something isn't in journalism. There's a lot of secondhand trauma is what I would call it, because you're witness to so many different things, but you're not always the person directly impacted by it. And it it's sort of you, you do have to build some thick skin to sort of learn to deal with that. Um but at the same time, we're not all perfect. And sometimes some things take a larger toll on us than others. And we're human and that's okay. And we need to learn to take a break. Um, so I would say that that was a pretty big lesson was um, you can't just keep running at full speed all the time. Um, you have to learn how to take a break. She also talked about working with fellow journalists and how she witnessed the way different people that were passionate about the same things could achieve a common goal. So the biggest lesson to me was just that, like, sometimes it may feel like everyone's having a bad day and people aren't motivated, but, you know, people find spaces that they're passionate about for a reason. And when, when you all get together, no matter how different of a background you come from, whether they're from the Bay and you're from SoCal, right? Like, when you come under that common goal, there's a lot you can't accomplish. Um, so back when I worked for the Nexus, you used to work as a news editor for the paper. Um, whether during your time as news editor or during your time as editor-in-chief, do you have like a favorite or a story you consider the most impactful while you were working for the paper? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, Two stories come to mind. Um, the first story, both I believe both were when I was news. I might have a DIC one later, but 
when I was, I, I had just started off as lead news editor. And this was when I was co-ing that position with Miss Holly Rush, who just graduated um, from UCSB. But her and I were uh, on this story because so all of these big papers like LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, they had jumped on this story because a, a couple of guys here at IV decided to make a boat out of Home Depot buckets and they took it out into the ocean and the Coast Guard had to come in and bring them back. And, you know, all of these big papers, they thought it was hilarious and they ran with the story the next day. But these boys were very offended by the narrative that these big papers had put out. And so they contacted us at the Nexus and they said, we want to give you, we want to give you the real scoop. And Holly and I were very intrigued. Um, and so we set up the Zoom call. And the first thing that they do when we open the Zoom call is they show us the swim trunks that were in the photo that went viral. And they were like, just so you guys know, here's proof that we really were those boys. I will never forget that. Um, and we have this interview and basically what the boys had told us was that they didn't really need rescuing. And the only reason that they were rescued is because they were on a makeshift craft that other people didn't trust, but they like physically were in need of no assistance. And don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't believe them. I do. It was just really funny that that's how that interview went. Um, and I, I remember us writing that up and, laughing the whole time about it. The reason why I say it was very impactful is because I have spent months, even weeks sometimes on stories where it required so much digging, so much investigation, so much of putting together documents and putting together interviews and, you know, trying to understand what really happened. That like getting a story where I was with one of my closest friends and it was something so funny and so silly and not to sort of, you know, devalue what those boys were trying to tell us. I, I do think it was an important detail that they didn't physically really need all that rescuing. Um, but it was just really fun and nice to sort of share that moment um, with someone who I had to share a lot of um, intense stories with. So that would be one of my favorites because it was one of the few times we got to write about something that just made me laugh. Um, and that's not something we got to do all that much in that job. So that was one that was very impactful. Um, I would say uh, another story that was very impactful um, for me personally. So I was on the county beat when I was in news. And so that what that means is I, I cover everything local government, anything that is outside the bounds of university essentially ends up falling there. Um, so, and I had a really, you know, I had a grand time with it. I really got to know a lot of our local politicians. I learned how to cover a beat in a way I don't think I would have learned in another situation. Um, and this was around the time I was transitioning from lead news editor to editor in chief. But there was someone who helped found the Isla Vista Community Services District. His name was Father John Steve Hedges. And Father John uh, passed away a few years back. And he embodied the term humanitarian in a way um, 
I think Isla Vista should really be proud of. And as a result of that, uh, they renamed or they named uh, the homeless shelter in Isla Vista Hedges House of Hope. So when this shelter was named after him, I, I wrote a bit of an obituary after speaking to his wife, Melissa, speaking to his coworkers at the IVCSD, speaking to his coworker at Doctors Without Borders. Uh, and that piece was really meaningful to me because this, this was someone who dedicated more than a few years to founding the Isla Vista Community Services District, to serving the Isla Vista community. Um, and the IVCSD was something that was a, a really big part of the reason why I got into journalism in the first place. And what I mean when I say that is, um, when I came to the Nexus, I was sort of testing myself to see if I could do this. And I started off on the county beat and IVCSD is exactly where I started. It holds a special place in my heart for that reason. It's reporting on them and that organization is how I realized I wanted to be a journalist. Coming back to the story, um, being able to write an obituary um, that highlighted his humanitarian work during Hurricane Katrina, during the 2014 Isla Vista tragedy, um, his humanitarian work with Do Doctors Without Borders, um, to report on how this community held this person in, in their arms, I think, was something that was really meaningful to learn. It was definitely a hard one to write. Um, but I I realized that, like, there are some stories that are sad, not because someone got hurt or because someone died. Father John had passed away, but the reason why that story was sad was because I was sitting there learning about a legacy I wish I had known about while he was alive. Uh, I'm very grateful I got to do my part in preserving his legacy, but uh, that's one I will keep with me for a very long time. Thank you for sharing. Um, moving on, um, you mentioned goals a little bit earlier. Uh, in your letter from the editor piece in the Nexus, you wrote that you hope to, quote, elevate the quality and accessibility of our content, end quote, as well as for the Daily Nexus to be a, quote, bustling venue of creativity for people of all backgrounds and talents, end quote. So presumably these were some of your goals um, as the incoming editor-in-chief. Do you feel that you achieved these goals? Yes, I do. Um, on the accessibility point, um, my big goal, so last year, uh, we had a wonderful section founded by Priscilla Flores, who is the current editor-in-chief, um, called La Vista. And it is our Spanish translation and reporting section. And so the section originally started with the goal of being able to translate our pieces into Spanish so that Spanish speaking community members would have an accessible format to engage in our reporting. And last year, so once Priscilla founded it, we had section editors who sort of took the ball running. And so Priscilla and I, our big goal of this year was getting La Vista to a space where they were producing weekly content because where they were last year, it was every few weeks. Um, and so Priscilla and I worked together with our La Vista editors, uh, Mari especially, who has been so wonderful this past year, and Angelica. Um, 
And we sort of looked to create the section that was, you know, not operating the same way our other sections were in the sense that it was focused more on translation rather than original reporting. I would say that we've been able to get to a place where we've balanced the two now, but that's a very unique mission statement and sort of getting a section to a pace where they can produce that on a weekly basis is hard. Um, and so my goal was to help get La Vista there and Priscilla and I with Maureen and Angelica's help, we were able to do just that. So I'm very, very, very happy and proud that that was a space or, or a place that we could get the La Vista section to. Um, I think it was a lot about having the right people in the right places. And I'm glad that I got to be one of those people. The other component about accessibility was also a, a, uh, about our video and audio components. So obviously we're not as much of an audio based uh, operation here at the Nexus as much as you guys are at KCSB. Um, but video was definitely something I wanted to grow a little bit. And it definitely, definitely has uh, our video editors, uh, Josh in particular, who I have to really give a shout out to, um, started doing news recaps and our social team started posting those as well. So um, from a accessibility standpoint, we tried to get our content out in, in another language and in another medium so that people can access this information that we have to share in, in multiple different ways. In terms of, um, I'm, I'm so sorry. Could you repeat that part of my letter back at me one more time in case I'm missing something? Uh, it was for the Daily Nexus to be a bustling venue of creativity for people of all backgrounds and talents. Yeah. And so that was another thing, you know, we, we talked about. Uh, one really cool thing that I got to see this year uh, was our DEI editors worked with our data editors to create this chart to see to type in certain keywords uh, that illustrate how often the Nexus has uh, covered marginalized communities, covered people of uh, communities we have not traditionally covered uh, as well as we should have. And it jumped by a lot. I can't give you the exact percentage, but by a lot, if my memory serves me correctly, it was around 15 to 17%. And, uh, that was a really cool thing for me to see that, you know, we had sort of changed the way DEI operated at the paper this year and that they became a lot more involved with management in general. Um, so it was it was good to see that the way we had sort of reformatted the position this year was working in favor of covering these communities um, at a much more appropriate frequency uh, than previous than our previous coverage uh, so that was a really awesome thing to see but in, but overall I think that we had to sort of think like how do you get people in of different backgrounds right so we started off being like reach out to every major possible don't just think about English majors just go for all of them see who ends up coming um, and that's because we have sections even like science and tech right where there's a lot of stem oriented people that learn about stem communication through this type of section uh, so that was part of the process and making sure we're tabling at points uh, throughout campus where, you know, we're not just meeting kids coming out of humanities buildings or we're not just meeting kids coming out of sub buildings. We're in locations that are accessible for the general public. Uh, 
that was another key part. Uh, hosting workshops, which if you check our our Instagram from this past year, you'll see a lot of different posts for the types of workshops we tried to hold. Uh, that was a big part because I think uh, another component of accessibility that we really talked about and worked on this year was the fact that not everyone comes in with journals of experience. Uh, I was lucky enough where, you know, we have this we have this running joke that there's a pipeline of high school EICs to the Nexus, but that's a little bit of a problem, isn't it? If you have to be an editor in chief in high school in order to like see yourself thriving somewhere. And so our big goal this year was to hold a lot of workshops and, and bring sections to a place where they were doing a lot of teaching, a lot more teaching from the ground up than had been previously occurring. Uh, and the, the point of that was sort of just to be like, you don't need to have written a news article or an opinion article or a, a, or a review in order to come in and just write with us, you know, like we can teach you and we're a space to learn, not just to get a byline. So, yeah, these were goals I had set out for myself. Uh, I can't say I accomplished them alone by any means. I had a very huge team and of editors uh Shout out to Emily Kosis, my managing editor, um, and my DEI team, Priscilla Flores and Devanshi Tomar. Uh, but I would say that together, uh, the four of us, alongside with all of the sections at the Nexus, we were able to accomplish a lot of those goals together. And I'm very grateful for everyone's support in making that happen. Very cool. All right. Um... For my next question, I referenced an important event this past fall quarter after the Daily Nexus was releasing articles detailing allegations of a former AS internal vice president's negligence to complete the duties of their position. The said member, B. Schaefer, claimed that the Nexus had made false allegations. Afterwards, in October 2022, the Nexus released an editorial refuting claims of defamatory reporting in an editorial titled, The Daily Nexus Will Not Be Censored. I asked Atmika what she thought the editor-in-chief's role was in keeping speech at the Nexus uncensored. Um, that's a good question. I, have, I mean, I think that's one of your jobs as, in a very general context, I think as editor-in-chief, it's sort of, you have to understand what your um, editors are doing, right? Are they operating in a way that is ethical and abides by our standards of reporting or are they reporting in a way that breaks those standards? And I think that's usually the judgment call that you have to make, right? Is this, do I have the faith, not even just do I have the faith, have my editors, do I believe my editors um, have conducted themselves with the utmost integrity? Do I believe my friends, or not my friends, sorry, my editors, I just woke up. Um, do I believe my editors have, have done that? Um, and if you believe that your editors have abided by those standards, then, you know, you need to sort of stand up for the, for the paper because you guys did your job as reporters. If those standards have been broken, then you need to have a very serious conversation with those people about what reporting does look like. And so in terms of your role, regarding censorship, it's, I think, making that judgment call. Have we have we done our duty in abiding by said standards? And if we haven't, then 
we need to talk and we need to figure out how to fix things. Um, but I think it's sort of about sort of making that judgment call and then from there deciding how to proceed. Uh, and that's that's exactly what happened in October this past year. I asked if Atmika would be continuing to work for the paper during this next academic year. She said while she's grown a lot from her time at the paper, she won't be returning. I think I was very, very lucky and, and grateful to have the uh, guidance and mentorship of uh, previous managements from previous years. And I would more, be more than happy to be that resource for the people that inhabit the office next. But uh, my next step is um, hopefully I've been freelancing here in Santa Barbara a little bit. I'm trying to find an internship or a fellowship or something. Um, She's looking to apply herself to other journalistic challenges. Here's her talking a bit about what she's seeking to do as a journalist. A good friend of mine said something recently that stuck with me, which is um, he's going into politics. And they said, uh, I picked politics because I know I don't fit with the constructs that make up the world that we live in. And I know that there's going to be a fight for that one day. And that's how I'm choosing to fight that fight. Um, which, you know, I think I definitely resonated with because that's that's journalism for me. That's how I'm choosing to fight that fight. Um, and the nexus will always be the place where I learned that about myself. Lastly, when I asked if there was anything she'd like to add, Admika wanted to shout out the student-run efforts of the nexus that got them third place for best newspaper at the California Collegiate Media Awards, which she said hasn't happened for the paper since the 90s. Which was uh, a pretty big accomplishment. And just to contextualize that for people, we were going up against schools who had much better funding, much, much better guidance. I don't want to say that because I was literally the editor-in-chief, but at the same time, these other papers have tenured professors who are leading them, you know? So uh, it was really cool to see. She also thanked her colleagues at the Nexus. Um, and we accomplished a lot together. Uh, and I, I want to thank everyone. I got the lovely opportunity to work with. I, I don't think anything that we were able to accomplish this past year would have been possible without a, a team effort on so many different people's end. And on that note, I definitely want to thank Emily Kosis and Holly Rush, the Machi Tobar. I want to thank Sindhu Anathavail and Sumi Shuda. I want to thank... So many people, Daniela Gomez, I could keep going, Sophie Lynn, Zoe, like everyone at that paper was really special to me. Beyond just being an editor at that paper, we built a community with each other. With KCSB News, I'm Zoha Malik.